0: Good morning, Bridge. How are we doing, guys? Before we get into message time, we're going to do something a little bit unusual. We've got a member of the church owner here who's, who's probably one of the most faithful owners we got and almost never misses a Sunday who's celebrating his birthday today. We don't usually do this, but Mr. Acock, where's Brother Acock? Mm-hmm. 91 years old today. <laughs> Give it up for Brother Acock this morning. Yeah, man. Joanna's sitting there with him. What a blessed couple. Love you guys. So well, you you want me to celebrate your birthday from stage, hit 91 and we'll talk, okay? You make it, we'll do it. Jump into message time. I got a letter I thought I'd share with you at the outset. Uh, Dear Mom and Dad, just a quick note to tell you how excited I am about Christmas break coming up. Uh, I've also figured since I was writing I'd share some good news from this semester at college. First, it turns out I'm not pregnant. And my boyfriend is not a felon after all. It was just a misdemeanor. (laughs) The dorm fire was good, but everybody got out alive. And I found a great off campus apartment with some great roommates Todd, Jack, and Mike are great guys. I can't wait to see you and spend Christmas together, signed your loving daughter. P.S. There was never any question that I was pregnant. I don't even have a boyfriend. And there's no dorm fire, nor is there an off-campus apartment. I just wanted to let you know that I got a C in history, and I wanted to put that in perspective before I told you. (laughs) Is perspective in life important? Just how important is it? There's an old saying that says that the perception is reality to the perceiver. Is that true? I'll tell you what. Let's check out this video and see if it's true. Check it out. Hi guys, I bet you didn't come to church today expecting to see your senior pastor do a card trick, but here we go. Let's see what happens. Okay. I've got some cards. I'm going to spread them out on the table. I want you to pick a card, any card. I don't care. It could be the ace of spades or the six of clubs, whatever. Just pick a card. Okay. You got one? Everybody got a card? Pick one. All right. I'm going to find your card. Let's see if I can find your card. Here we go. Boom, boom, boom. That's your card. You think it is? You think it is? Well, let's see. Let's try Here we go. Spreading the cards out on the table. Voila. Your card is gone. Is it magic? Well, let's see. Let's try it again, okay? Tell you what. Here we go. Pick a card. Any card. I don't care. Just find a card. And pick a card. You got a card? You got one in on your mind? All right, let's try again. Right, here we go. I'm going to shuffle the cards. I'm going to find your card in the deck. Here we go. That's your card. You think it is? Well, let's see. Here we go. Voila, your card is gone again. Did that freak you out? How the world do you do that? I mean, I'm going to show you in a minute. When I do, your whole perspective is going to change. Okay? That said, just hang on to that for a minute. What I want you to get this morning is this simple quote. We'll put it on the screen so you can get it. Maybe you can put it on social media and hashtag it transformation. When you get God's perspective on life, your whole life will change, you will be transformed. Read it with me. When you get God's perspective on life, your whole life will change, you will be transformed. Perception is reality to the perceiver. We need God's perspective on life to become who he made us to be. For those of you that are here for the first time, we're in, in, a, in the middle of a little mini-series that we're calling transformed. And what we're doing simply is looking at the little tiny book of Philemon and, and picking up some lessons about transformation in one of the most powerful little books that so often gets overlooked in the reading of the Bible. So let's review, for those of you here last week, um, who, who wrote the book of Philemon? Anybody remember? You didn't know you are going to pop test today. Okay, who wrote it? The Apostle Paul. Anybody remember where he wrote it from? He was in jail. He was in, under house arrest. We're talking about 58 to 62 A.D., so it's really late uh, in the journey of of writing the Bible, the New Testament. Uh, The the church is well-developed now, spread across the world for 30-plus years or so. And who's he writing it to? His friend Philemon, who was somebody that he led to the Lord in the town of Colossae. Uh, And so he's writing back to Philemon. Anybody remember who he's writing about? Onesimus. Onesimus was a slave of Philemon's and he, he ran away from Philemon, stole money from him, wound up in Rome and when he got there he wound up in the company of the apostle Paul because even though he was under arrest he was able to receive guests and visitors. He wound up in Paul's company and Paul led him to Christ. And so he got a whole new life, he got a new fresh start in Jesus Christ, but how many of you agree with me that when you get a new life in Christ, you still bring the baggage of your old life with you that has to be addressed? Can I get an amen in the house? I love universal amens. And so he did, and now Paul says you've got to do something about this, and he took Onesimus on the journey of getting God's perspective on his life before he could actually deal with these issues and become all that God made him to be. And for those of you that don't know the history, next Sunday you want to be here because I'm going to unpack for you what happened to Onesimus after this journey. For today, I want us to continue talking about his journey uh, and confrontation with Philemon and, and asking the question, what is the role of perspective and specifically God's perspective in whatever circumstance we have going on in our lives. So get a difficult circumstance, get a difficult situation, get a piece of baggage from your past life or from your current life, last night stuff, whatever, get something in your mind, and let's go down this journey. Can we start by, by, by getting personal you know, I'm going to do it whether you say yes or no. It's just nice to ask. So, so, so you don't have to respond. Just sit real still so nobody will know. But think about it for a minute. Uh, what perspective tends to dominate your life? How many of you would honestly say, don't respond, just sit still, but how many of you would honestly say that, that probably fearful thoughts tend to dominate my life? That you tend to worry a lot. You worry about finances. You tend to worry about kids. You tend to worry about your kids' kids. You tend to worry about your health, the economy, the, 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 the politics. I mean, you just tend to worry. You're a worrier. Pretty common, wouldn't you say? I had a good friend growing up whose grandmother was one of those people. She loved Jesus, but she just worried about everything. And every time I'd see her, I said, Ms. Adine, how are you doing? She said, Well, it's just so bad. I mean, she was dying every day for 20 years. I'm just, today's the day. It's all over. I'm going to die today. And I asked her one time, How are you doing, Ms. Adine? I don't know why I kept asking. It was just fun. But, but she, said, she said, Well, I got up this morning, Jim, and I'm scared. And I said, What are you scared of? She said, Well, I felt good today. And I just know this must be the omen that this, today's the day. You know, just that's kind of dominated her life. It dominated her thoughts. How many of you would say, don't respond, but how many of you would say that, that your perception of life, you, you tend to be dominated with negative thoughts? That There's this common kind of thing, I'm not good enough. I'll never measure up. I'm not as good as. You fill in the blank. Or maybe it's not about yourself. Maybe it's your, your circumstance. Maybe you, you tend to go to work saying, man, I got the worst job in the world. I live in the worst house in town. I got the worst kids. I mean, this is just kind of how your life goes. Sit real still, okay? You just don't. No elbows. This is a no elbow throwing zone. How about hopeless thoughts? Maybe it's not you. Maybe you know somebody that, that just kind of, nothing ever works out for me and nothing ever will. I mean, I'm never going to have a great marriage. I'm never going to overcome this sin in my life, this habit that's bringing me down. I'm never going to feel good again. I mean, we all know people that that kind of dominates their life, and that's their perception of life. And then there are those people uh, who just peaceful thoughts dominate their lives. Hopefulness dominates their lives, you know. They, They never worry about anything, you you know, you're just, you never get stressed out, you're just kind of laid back, you never feel hopeless, something bad happens, you say, well, God's got it. Are you worried? Is this going to work out? It's going to always does? And so if that's who you are, if peace characterizes your everyday life, then would you come and preach this sermon for me today because I, I, uh, I need some help in this area because we all struggle sometimes to get there. The bottom line is whatever category you fall into, perception plays a huge role in whether the stuff of life, we live in a sin-cursed world, guys, whether the stuff of life becomes the ceiling that limits how far you go or it becomes the launching pad to becoming everything God made you to be. So in the few minutes that I've got with you this morning, I want to do a couple of things. I, I, I want to ask and answer the question, how do you know if you've got God's perspective on your circumstances? How do, you, how do you know? The book of Philemon tells us, gives us three tools to use that we can walk through, and we're going to do that. But first, again, I want to press the point a little bit more and make sure that you understand how critical this is to our lives. So I want to give you four truths about perspective that maybe will help you uh, and motivate you to use the tools that I'm going to give you this morning. We'll go through this quickly, but I want you to get it. And if anybody's qualified uh, to teach us about perspective, it would be the apostle Paul that wrote the book of Philemon, this guy. Um, was beaten and left for dead. He was thrown into prison more than once just for being a Christian and loving Jesus. He was shipwrecked, but but he never let that stuff consume his mind. And more importantly, he turned every one of them around into something good that ultimately helped people and blessed the kingdom of God. I mean, when he was shipwrecked on the Isle of Melita, anybody know what he did? He led the inhabitants of the island to Jesus. That's what he did, you know, when he was in prison in Philippi. Anybody know that story? He was in stocks and bonds, started singing praise songs and started a revival in the prison. That's just what he did, you know. Uh, When he was in prison in Rome, he... He wrote most of the New Testament while he was in prison in Rome, you know, and then he led Onesimus and, and, uh, to Christ and ultimately got the gospel into Caesar's household himself. So Paul had tough stuff in life, tougher than most of us will ever have to deal with, but he just never let it get him down because he had God's perspective on what's going on. He wrote to the church at Philippi and said, you call me a prisoner. If, if that's true, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. That's it. That's all I am. So before we get to the tools let me give you the four truths that I pick up from Paul's writings. You see if it's helpful to you. You may want to take notes. Go to the Bridge NC app and you can follow along. Go to the app and flip over to notes. All the notes are there that I'm sharing with you. At least the outline is there. The scriptures are there. You can save it to your journal and take notes right now and do that. You can email me at info at bridgechurch.cc and I'll send you these notes so you can study them more in detail. But for now, let's get into four simple truths that are, that are critical if we're going to get God's perspective and then... Let me give you the tools to evaluate kind of honestly how how you're doing in that area of having God's perspective on the stuff of life. Four truths. Truth number one, transformation starts in the mind. Transformation starts in the mind. Is it true? Romans chapter 12 verse 2, be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. Some translations and paraphrases say by the repatterning of your thinking. You have to change the way you think in order to be transformed into somebody else. Counselors have known this for years. The change starts in your thought life. Diet companies are finally figuring it out. If we actually want to help people to lose weight and and, and keep it off, lots of people can help you lose weight, you just regain that in 20 more, you know. If you want to keep it off, then you got to go to the why. you got to change your way of thinking about food or you're just going to go back. That's just the way it works. It's got to be internal before it's external. But whether we're talking about weight loss or any area of life, your beliefs lead to your behaviors and your behaviors Determine who you become. It starts in your thought life. So let's just be real honest, guys. If willpower was enough, we'd all be skinny and rich. Willpower will help you to, to change direction for a while, but transformation is not a temporary thing. It, it's a matter of changing the way you think and becoming who God made you to be. You got, so you've got to think differently about yourself about the world, about God, in order to get there it, it's kind of like my favorite illustration of this is that if you're you want to go across the lake and you've got a point in the other side of the lake you want to go to, and there's a boat there with an outboard motor on it, you get into the boat and you start across the lake and, and you're headed toward that spot, but you realize that the that the motor has has got a, a a twist to it, sort of an autopilot thing on it, and it is preset to go to that point, but you don't want to go to that point, you want to go to that point and so you pull the tiller. Uh, and so that it will change direction. And you can pull it for a while, and it will change direction for a while. But after a while, you, you sometimes don't even realize it. You just kind of get tired, and the tiller starts going back to the place that it was preset to. And before you know it, you wake up and go, man, I'm going there, and I wanted to go there. And so you pull again for a while, and you yank on it for a while, and, and you're doing good for a while. And then you start getting tired. And, and after a while, you say, oh, forget it. Maybe that's a good place to go. I think I'll just go. There. Anybody relating to this? Theologians call this process sanctification. This idea, Jesus prayed, sanctify them by thy truth, thy word is truth. So we come to Christ, but then we have to be sanctified to to change the way we think, to to change from, I I love Jesus, but I really want to sin. To I love Jesus and I don't want to sin. I still struggle sometimes, but I don't want my want to changes. There's a transformation that takes place in our thinking first. The second truth, I don't have time to teach that in detail. We'll go into a lot more detail in the future, but, but get this. The second truth is transformation requires filtering your thoughts. 2 Corinthians 10 5, take captive every thought to what? Hello, are you out there? Make it obedient to Christ. So even after you change your way of thinking, how many of you agree with me that the old yucky thoughts still pop back up in your brain sometimes? Right in the middle of worship, boom, whoa. Right in the middle of your morning quiet time and you're praying and boom, where, where did that come from? Oh man, I must be a horrible person or I wouldn't that's, no, you're human. That's that's what humans do and Satan does a great job of popping those things back into your head. And the good news is, Uh, The bad news is you can't stop that from happening. The good news is you you can stop them from lingering there. You've probably heard the old saying, you can't stop birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from making a nest in your hair. The third truth Paul teaches us then is that transformation is only available. This is huge. Transformation is only available if I believe God wants me whole. I got to believe he wants me whole. 2 Timothy 1.7, read it with me. 1, 2, 3, go. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. But until you believe that, you're going to stay stuck in the old patterns. Jesus said, according to your faith will it be done to you. So not only is it a matter of changing the way you think, not only is it a matter of filtering out the yucky stuff that keeps coming back, but you have to actually believe that God wants you to live in this new place, that he wants you to be that person, that that's who he made you to be. So the journey begins with, starts in the mind, we learn to take captive thoughts, and then we challenge the lie that transformation is for other people, it's not for me. Which leads us to the fourth truth, And that is simply transformation is part of the spirit-filled life. Transformation then becomes a part of this life in the spirit, the spirit-filled life. Whatever terminology you want to give it, the spirit-filled life, being filled with the spirit, being baptized in the spirit, there's all kinds of terms for that out there. But the bottom line is this, Romans chapter 8, verse 6, and some of you before we read it going, oh, no, we're Pentecostals. We're going to get the snakes out now. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Romans 8, 6. Here we go. If a person's thinking is what? Controlled by his sinful self, then there is death. That word death in the Greek is thanatos, that literally means the misery that always accompanies sin. But if his thinking is controlled by the Spirit, then there is life and peace. So the question is who's in charge? When Paul prayed to the church at Ephesus, he said, don't be drunk with wine, that leads to debauchery. I love that word because you know what it means without knowing what it means, debauchery. Instead, be filled with the spirit. That word is plero. It means under the control of, empowered by. We're talking about who gets to be in charge. We're talking about who's the empowering agent in your life. And I'll tell you now, in case you're wondering, what comes naturally is not being controlled by the spirit that leads to life. What comes naturally is being controlled by the flesh, which leads to thanatos, death and misery. That's what comes naturally. This other comes supernaturally, and you have to decide this is what I want. This is how I want to live. I want to live under the control of the Holy Spirit. So how do you get there? That's the question. How do we get there? How do we get transformed from somebody whose perspective on life is controlled by the flesh, is controlled by my sinful self, by my natural body, my natural life, into someone who does life from God's perspective, who has God's perspective on what's going on? And the answer to that question is found in our little tiny one chapter book called Philemon that so often we just kind of skip over when we're reading the New Testament, and the answers are right there in the midst of it. So let's get back into our little letter, okay? Onesimus has come to Christ. He's got a fresh start, soon realizes with Paul's help that that while he is completely free from the the bondage of his past in terms of, uh, of he's forgiven by God, he's got a fresh start in life, He's still got some past issues to deal with. He's still got some baggage, so he's going back to Philemon to beg for mercy and do whatever he needs to do to make it right. Paul knows that the likely response when Onesimus goes back is that he would either at least be beaten and branded as a thief and runaway slave or maybe even executed. Under the law, Philemon could do that. So Paul writes a letter to his friend Philemon that he led to the Lord some time ago and says, Onesimus, when you go, take this letter from me and give it to Philemon. Don't say a word till he reads the letter. Just stand back far enough that he can't do anything until he's read my letter. And in this letter, he gives us three tools that will be helpful for us to get God's perspective on life. And perhaps I can say it this way, three tools to know whether or not we're living a spirit-filled life, whether or not our, th- our thoughts are controlled by the Holy Spirit or they're controlled by our sinful self. So you can do your own evaluation this morning. I'm doing mine. I have been all week. I want to help you do yours, Okay. The first tool, the first evidence, the first way you assess is you ask yourself the question, am I looking past the bad to the good? Am I looking past the bad to the good? Here's how Paul puts it in verses 15 and 16. Again, only one chapter in the book. Here we go. Is that on the screens? Here we go. Let's read it together. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back, what? Forever, Forever. no longer as a slave, but... Better than a slave, as a dear brother, he's very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother. Do you see the key phrase in the verse? I think I highlighted it. You, you see, you, you see the key phrase. Perhaps the reason this all happened. Perhaps say it with me. Perhaps the reason. One more time. Perhaps the reason. He's not telling Philemon to ignore the bad stuff. Onesimus broke the law. He's got to be accountable for for breaking the law. It's appropriate for him to be held accountable for it. He just doesn't want Philemon to stop at that point. He wants him to look beyond the bad stuff and see the good stuff that could come out of this set of circumstances. So he goes on to suggest maybe, maybe there's another way to look at this. Maybe all this stuff gets settled And your relationship with Onesimus can be better than your old relationship because your old relationship was based on master slave, and now you could actually be brothers in Christ. You you could actually be co-laborers in Christ. You could actually have this intimate brother-to-brother situation. And so he's begging Onesim, or Philemon to look at it differently. Now put yourself in Philemon's shoes. I ask you when we started this journey to get a difficult circumstance in your mind so you can be personalizing this as we go, put yourself in Philemon's shoes. What do you think he's thinking? Well, he's frustrated that he's lost a, a valued slave. He's frustrated that he's been robbed. He's under pressure from the society, the community around him to, uh, to bring hard judgment. I mentioned last week that that probably 25% of the population of the Roman Empire were slaves, and if they all rose up, they could revolt and take over the joint. So they really took a hard line when slaves ran away. And so he's under pressure from society to do things a certain way. And so Philemon, in my mind, is thinking, man, this is a no-win situation. This is no win for me. I got Paul saying this, I got the world saying that, I got my own personal fleshly approach to this thing is saying that, this is no win for me, does that make sense? Now you got Onesimus, put yourself in his shoes, what is he thinking? He's come to Christ, he's forgiven, he's free, he's excited, and then Paul says, you know, you got to go back and deal with this. Oh, I don't want to go back and deal with this. This is not going to go well for me. You know what he can do. He's, he's going to have me beaten. He's going to be branded. He might have me killed. I can't. This is a hopeless situation. This is a no win situation for me. So here's Onesimus saying no win. Here's Phil saying no win. And here's Paul saying, you know, this could be win win <laughs> if you looked at it from God's perspective. If you'd rise above it and not ignore the bad, deal with it, but look past it, this could be win-win. Now, please understand me. Uh, no one is suggesting that slavery is okay. It, it was a horrible circumstance then. It is now. It's far more prevalent in this planet than any of you believe, particularly we start talking about human trafficking and sex slaves around this planet. It's a horrible thing that's going on in our world that we cannot completely ignore. But I think what, we're, what I need you to lean into in this moment is that, that slavery of any kind is horrible, and we're talking about spiritual truths now, Okay? You are right now enslaved to a situation because you got your sinful self's perspective on it. Do I need to say that again? You're right now enslaved to a situation because you still have a perspective on it from your fleshly side, your natural side, your sinful side. You don't have God's perspective on it. Paul wasn't saying to them to ignore the bad, and I'm not saying to you to ignore the bad. I am suggesting that if you really want to rise above it and be transformed into the kind of person that God can use, you've got to look past the bad and see what good God can bring out of it. And, of course, that isn't going to happen without evidence number two. I said there's three. Evidence number two, again, i got to believe there's a good to look toward. As a pastor, having worked with people for many, many years, Pastor Andy does most of our pastoral care and counseling around here, and we appreciate Pastor Andy and all that he does. He and I talk regularly and constantly uh, about uh, circumstances and situations and, and, uh, uh, that he's dealing with, and so we deal with this stuff all the time, and where they get stuck is not just in sense of trying to look past the bad to see the good, but actually believing that there's a good to look to. What could possibly be good on the other side of this? And I need to tell you, as lovingly as I know how, as gently as I know how, but as clearly as I know how, if you're sitting here thinking there is no good on the other side of this to look to, then you are right. There isn't. You have to believe there is before there is. That's how God works. You know, we want to play show, show and tell with God. You show me and then I'll tell you whether I believe you. That's not how it works. He said, you tell me, I, you believe me, and then I'll show you. It's not show and tell, it's tell and show. And so you got to believe there is a good out there, even if you can't see it yet, before there can be. Jesus said, according to your faith, will it be done to you? Um, because Without that, you won't even, not only will you not even look for it, you wouldn't see it if it bit you. Hello? It's kind of like car fever. Any of you ever get car fever? You ever had car fever? you, You got a good car, fine car, you love that car, and then one day it breaks down. And you think, this is the most horrible car on the planet. I have to get a new car. I cannot drive this car anymore. I've got to, and so you start looking around. You go to a car lot. You go to a magazine, and you find the car that is the car of your dreams, and you're so excited. You go down to the car lot, and you buy a new car, and you think, boy, I I will stand out in the crowd with this car. Everyone's going to be jealous of me in this car. This is an amazing car. I'm going to look so cool in this car. And so you sign the lines and you pay the money and you get into debt and whatever it is you do to buy a car. And then the next day on the way to work, you pull up to a four-way stop sign and your car is at all four intersections. <laughs> is that true? Oh, it's a, today, you see 20 of these cars. This unusual color that you thought would stand out in the crowd, you see all of them. W- what happened? They were there. You just didn't see them before. Are you out there? In fact, some of you can't even focus on what I'm saying today because you're still stuck on the card trick trying to figure out how I did it. <laughs> so you want me to show you? Let me to show you how I did it? Okay, let's go. Here's, check out the video. How'd he do it? I don't know, how did he do it? Well, let's see, uh, pick a card, any card. There's no way that I could know what your card was, so how did I pull it off? Well, the answer is, I had help. Brooke was over here, and what actually happened is we replaced all of the cards, so there's no way your card was in the group because all of them were changed. Gotcha. The point simply is that your whole perspective on that trick changed when you realized there was a second person involved. Until you knew that, it was amazing, and now it's really pretty simple, right? Guys, the same thing is true in life. When you focus only on the bad stuff, you lose perspective on the good stuff that could come out of it until you realize that there is somebody unseen at work. And when you finally realize God is at work in this circumstance, just like he is in the other circumstances, your whole perspective changes and everything changes. That's why the Pastor Jim paraphrase of Philemon 15 is you're probably focusing on what Onesimus did and what his action Cost you. Maybe there's another way to look at this. God's way. And what's God's way? We talked about it last week. Romans chapter 8, verse 8 and 9. We noted that all things God works for those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose to be conformed to the image of of his son Paul is saying to Phil God didn't cause this thing to happen he sure doesn't want to waste it though God never wastes a hurt if you will allow yourself you can begin to see a pattern for good that could come out of this on the other side of it but you got to believe that's possible before it's possible is this is this registering this, this is a challenge, guys, but you got to do that to get there. When you do that, God gives you the ability to see things that were there all along, just like those cars. You just couldn't see them before. The result is you end up in places doing things you never thought you could or would. I, I thought of an example this week from our church that I thought you... Those of you that are long-term attenders and owners might relate to, uh, just to illustrate this point, maybe it's too personal, but I'll share it with you. Um, Seven years ago... Uh, Kim and I, of course, were pastoring a church in Virginia that we planted in 1981, and we had a wonderful, wonderful experience uh, pastoring that church and, and leading that church. At uh, 25 years in, 60% of our members came to Christ there. We, we raised up pastors and sent out missionaries. We planted churches. Out of that church, it grew to several thousand. We were just have, having an amazing time in the Lord, but about seven years ago, I began to struggle with whether I was supposed to continue leading that church. If you had asked me before that day, um, if I was going to leave there, I'd have said, no, I'll be here when Jesus comes. I'll be taken from the stage of community church to heaven. That's just how it's going to work because that's how I viewed my life. But, but I began to realize that, that my season was coming to an end there, and that God was at work. And so four years ago, after a three-year succession process, I stepped away, passed the mantle of leadership to Michael Brusicki, who continues to lead the church. He and I had a text exchange this morning. And uh, and we moved to Wayne County to take care of our aging widowed mamas, and we came to the Bridge. We we just came here because we'd known Farrell and and Millie for years, and and we loved this place. We'd been in and out of this place. Had had the privilege to consult with your leadership team for several years. Had preached here several times. So just of course we're going to the Bridge. So we came and became owners. And my first job was usher, and. They only let me to do it once. Pastor Valerie said, you can't do that anymore. I did a shakedown thing. Come on, you can do better than that. Come on, come on, come on. I said, no, no, that's, that's not your niche, Jim. Let's, <laughs> let's get somebody else to do the usher thing. Uh, but, but, you know, so we, just, we were here and serving and loving and being blessed. What you don't know, and many of you know that story if you've been here very long. What you probably don't know is that when I left community church and I came here, wh- God, uh, Satan whispered in my ear, you're too old to do this anymore. You're done. you got nothing left to give. This is a young man's game. You need to retire. You just, you just need to be done. And I fought a, a genuine battle that went on for 18 months. Now, I'll be honest, I loved it here. I loved sitting under Pastor Farrell's ministry. I was getting fed. I loved meeting you, so many of you guys and building relationships. I loved every minute of that. But all the while, there's this mental battle. There's this perception in my mind that I'm done. I'm too old to do this anymore. Until one day on the phone with a friend of mine in St. Louis, and he said, Jim, you can judge whether it's from the Lord or not, but I had an idea this morning, and I wondered, could it be that God didn't just move you home to Goldsboro to take care of your mamas and to retire, but in fact, he moved you there to help a local church that's going to need you? What? My friend Mike didn't know is that Pastor Farrell had called me the week before and said, Jim, I need you to sit down. And I said, why? He said, because I'm done. And I said, what, done with lunch? What, we're done, What done. He said, the Lord's releasing me. It's time for me to leave. And the rest is history. We went through this journey. But even on the journey, some of you don't know, even on the journey when the board and the elders asked me to consider becoming the pastor, I said, no, 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 I'm old. I'm old. I know I'm old. Don't you know I'm old? Have you not noticed how old I am? I looked in the mirror this morning. I'm old. Okay. Okay. Well then, chair the search committee. Okay, I'll do that. Okay, we'll become our interim. Okay, I'll do that. Okay, aren't you going to stay? Okay, I'll do that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Lord, in the process of all of that, positioned me to be able to, to lead a, what's becoming a movement called Arise 2033. How many know we're coming up on the 2000th anniversary of Jesus' promise return? And I get the privilege of leading an initiative to raise up 1700 new churches in America in the next 15 years. Two of our pastors and their wives are here with us today. Let's welcome uh, Dave and Jan Reagan and Trey and Hope Jones are with us today. Good to see you guys, love you guys. and just 3 years ago i'm sitting in my recliner saying i got nothing left to give i'm done and here i am having the time of my life you know how i tell you that story because some of you are sitting here right now saying, I'm done. This this marriage is never going to work. These finances are never going to get fixed. This health situation is never going to resolve. My self-worth is never going to improve. I'm never going to break this habit. You're sitting here thinking because Satan's whispering and you're looking at it through the natural. You're looking at it through your fleshly uh, life. You're looking at it, through, at it through your sinful self. And I'm telling you that you need the Holy Spirit to help you look at it through God's lens and through God's perspective because if you you will. He'll give you a different perspective on what's going on. Maybe there's another way to look at it. Maybe there's another way to look at it. Come on, say it with me. Maybe there's another way to look at it. That's why Paul said to the church at Philippi, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Don't lock in on the worst-case scenario. That's the enemy of your soul whispering those lies in your ears. Take captive those thoughts of fear and those negative thoughts and those hopeless thoughts. Look past the bad all the way to the potential good, the good that God has, and believe that good is really possible. And transformation may well be available to you when you do. Do do you understand that that if you look for the bad, you're going to find it? It, 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 It's kind of like if I released a hummingbird and a buzzard, they would seek out and find completely different things. Am I right? What would the hummingbird find? Something sweet. Might be your hummingbird feeder on your back porch. Might be a flower petal. He'd find something sweet. What would the buzzard find? Roadkill. By the way, wild game night is not roadkill, okay? It's not roadkill. Get your tickets. I'm looking forward to Saturday night at wild game night. Bring your unchurched friends. Let's have a blast. Let's share the gospel with our unchurched friends, okay? Why would the hummingbird find sweet stuff and the buzzard find yucky stuff, because that's what they were looking for. The result is that's what they're finding. Maybe, maybe, I've got to close, but maybe there's another way to look at this. Maybe. Well, Pastor, I I want to believe there's a good to look beyond this bad to find. I want to believe it, but how, how do I get there? Well, that's the third part of this journey, and that is, I pray for God's perspective when I don't have it. I'm going to pray for God's perspective when I don't have it. Paul told Phil, I could order you to do this. I know you owe me, dude. I could tell you you got to do this, but I want you to come to this out of your relationship with God. So pray and watch verse 11 that we read last week come true. Philemon 11, Formerly he was useless to you. He was a runaway slave you got nothing out of, but now he has become useful. But the only way that usefulness becomes a reality is if you look past the bad stuff to the good stuff that God has in mind, this guy's going to be a brother that's going to do amazing things in the kingdom of God. I'll tell you about it next week. You've got to be here to hear what happens in the life of Onesimus, my prayer for all of us and you that are watching online. Is that God will take this formerly useless circumstance and turn it into a now useful situation. I asked you last week if you needed a formerly but now experience, and dozens of you in both services raised your hands. And we got emails from the online uh, campus that said, "We're yeah, that's what I need in my life." And I'm here to tell you, it's available to you, but you got to believe it is. And if you can't believe it is, then pray that God will help you to believe that it is I'll close with just a moment, a personal moment if I can. Nobody's saying this is easy. Life's hard sometimes. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. That's reality. Getting an eternal perspective on the yucky stuff of life can be a real challenge. It can be a a real tough thing. I gave you a ministry example a moment ago of how God works But let's be honest, most of you, when I ask you to get a scenario in your mind, you didn't think of a church thing, did you? You thought of a personal thing. You thought about something that's going on that it's hard to get a big perspective on to see what God is doing. I struggle. To understand why God took my son to heaven last year. I I struggle. I don't have his perspective yet. Somebody told me the other day, he says, Well, maybe you ought to be jealous of him when he gets to see Jesus. And I said, I get that in my head. I don't feel that yet. I'm not there yet. But here's what I know: God is good. And God works everything into a pattern for good. If I just love him back and commit to this journey to become like him, my job is to take any bad thoughts that Satan's whispering in my ear, take them captive to believe that God has a good that he will bring out of this situation, to submit my thoughts to the Holy Spirit to control them and not let my flesh control them and then to pray that God would give me his perspective and see what he can do. My job is to say maybe there's another way to look at this. And even if there are no answers this side of eternity, Here's a valid perspective to consider. 2 Corinthians 4, 17, 18, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not what is, come on, seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal, God, give us your perspective from an eternal perspective because this life is about that long and eternity is forever. Ask Brother Aycock how long 91 years is. And he'll say, man, it was just the other day me and Miss Joanna fell in love, just the other day. Just the other day Miss Jackie was born, just the other day, it's gone. Eternity is forever. Perception is reality to the perceiver. Let's get God's perspective on life. Okay? You with me? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that we can, that that's available to us as followers of Jesus Christ. Oh, we live in a world that's filled with fear and hopelessness and negative junk. But we really can't expect it to be any different for so many people because they're living without you. They're living without Christ. They're living without the sanctifying power of the Word of God. They're living without the Holy Spirit operating in their lives and controlling their thoughts. They're living without those things that are available to us as followers of Jesus Christ. We can't expect them to do anything else, but we can expect to do different ourselves. So I pray for every follower of Jesus Christ in this room right now and those watching online. I pray that that each of us would do a quick evaluation here and now and pray a simple prayer for your perspective in our lives. Keep your heads bowed. Can we pray that prayer together? Just want to pray these points back, okay? But I want you to pray them. Do it silently. Do it aloud. Do it in your own words. I don't care. Just pray. Lord, help me to look past the bad, to the good that's possible. When I struggle, help me to believe that there is a good possible. And then help me to gain your perspective when I don't have it. To be honest with that journey, with you, with myself, Because I know it's on the other side of believing it's available. That it will come. Father, you know who's praying. You know what's going on in every circumstance in this room. Thank you. Thank you. Keep your heads bowed. There's no doubt some of you that came in this room today. And if I asked you, if you had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you would have said, "Uh, uh, bye-bye. no. So this whole idea of getting God's perspective on life is, is kind of a stretch for you. I understand that. I've been where you are. Can I ask you to pray a prayer with me? Nobody's going to embarrass you. We're not going to single you out. I just want you to pray. Go something like this. Jesus, I want to be able to look past the bad stuff in my life to believe that there's a good on the other side. I'm a little bit like Onesimus. I mean, this is a no-win situation. But help me to see you. Would you forgive me of the things that I have done and failed to do that's got me to this place? And would you give me a fresh start? Would you help me to have a fresh beginning today? I'm praying that you would become Lord of my life. So I can have your perspective on life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me? If you prayed that prayer, I really, really want to know. If one of the, if we prayed two prayers. If you're a follower of Christ and you prayed to, for God's perspective, then put a note in your Connect card right now. Just say, I prayed. If you've committed your life to Christ this morning, I really want to know. You can text me, New Life, to 55498. We'll pray for you. You can check a box on your card, write a note somehow. The ushers will be at the door. They're connect- They're receiving these Connect cards. Let me know that you prayed so I can pray for you this week. Our staff, our intercessory prayer team will pray for you this week. And we want to help. We want to help you on this journey as you go down this road together, okay? Father, thank you for the privilege of coming into your house, experiencing fellowship and welcome and warmth and your presence and teachings that help us to live the life that you have for us. I pray that we go out from this place stronger and better because of it in Jesus' name and all God's people said amen. The altars are open. There are prayer teams up here that would love to pray with you before you leave this place. Take advantage of the opportunity. We'll see you next Sunday.